Welcome. You're listening to In The Room, the podcast. Our host, international moderator and MC, Veda Sanasi, creates a meeting point to amplify the valuable voices of our community. From prominent icons to everyday people, In The Room is an opportunity to share their journeys, their perspectives, and boldest aspirations towards tackling global challenges. Ultimately, contributing to rewriting the definition of leadership for the 21st century. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of In The Room. My name is Veda Sinasi, and I am your host. It is with a heavy heart that I bring you this latest episode on our podcast. When we decided to set this up, our goal was to bring to the table purpose-driven people from all walks of life to converse to dialogue on issues and opportunities facing us in the world. We wanted to bring people to the room to share stories, stories that can inspire, stories that can spark new ideas, stories that can make us feel good about the world. I think it is fair to say that it's not been easy to feel good about the world these days. Even for the most upbeat and optimistic people, myself included. When we started only a few weeks ago, little did we know that humanity will soon be facing arguably its grandest challenge since the last world war. I think it is also fair to say that our lives have been indefinitely changed. There will surely be a life pre and a life post coronavirus. Right now, however, is the time for pause, the time for reflection and the time to learn to make sure that when we emerge from this, we emerge stronger, wiser, and better prepared for the future. I would therefore like to begin this journey of learning with you today with my guest, a dear friend, Mr. Adama Sané. Adama is the co-founder and CEO of the Moleskin Foundation based in Milan. The reason we wanted to bring him on the show is for us to learn from someone who has been living this ordeal from ground zero for nearly a month now. And like many of us, he also didn't think it was that big a deal when he first heard about it in Paris. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, I know these are difficult times for for all of us and especially for you um, out there in Milan. So um, why don't you start by telling me where were you when you first realized that, you know, something big was about to happen in Milan? Um, I was actually in Paris. Um, you know, it was, a, it was, it was like a few hours of, of really um, complexity and struggle somehow, you know, because, you know, um, I was talking to some friends in that moment and uh, I felt uh, probably like the guy that uh, from... East Berlin went to do shopping in West Berlin and then suddenly while he was shopping, there's a wall, you know, to, to go back home, you know? Um, and, uh, and I was in Paris, I was in Paris for work and I was supposed to fly back to Milan um, on the next day and the total lockdown of, of Italy, well, especially Lombardy at the time, I think, came about and, um, and my flight got canceled and, uh, you know, it was a moment of, uh, um, 
I wouldn't say panic, but because everything was too surreal to actually go in a straight panic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quite strange. And I have to tell the truth, you know, like the situation was so um, unfamiliar that for the first few hours, maybe a couple of hours, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should stay in Paris or maybe I should, you know, fly somewhere from here because in any case, you know, like I can work, you know, I can, I can go on with some work and, uh, you know, wherever. And because it, we couldn't understand what really was happening, you know, and it was, you know, but it was only like after a couple of hours that you realize really how the situation was, what really was happening that, okay, it was, it was one of those moments in which you're like, okay, you need to be, you need to be close to home. Mm-hmm. You need to be back close to the family. And even that is quite surreal because you want to go back to your family, but you can't stay close to your family. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I have my, my grandparents here, my mothers, you know, my sisters, and, and, uh, but I can't go back to them, you know, because of course any contact will, will put them in risk. So, yeah. mm, so it's a very strange thing, but as soon as then this happened, I managed to find a flight back uh, through Rome, you know, spend the entire day to figure out a way to, to get back home, but somehow I managed to. And, and when you got to Milan, what was your first reaction and observation? It's, it, it's really, um, it's, it's really beyond being in a movie uh, because, you know, I left Paris, I fly to Rome. In Rome, um, I go to the, uh, I'm about to, 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 to get into the check-in and embarking and, and, um, and there is a police there who giving you like uh, a sort of a document, you know, a, a self-certification. Mm-hmm. And you, when you need to state where you're going, why you're going and so on and so forth. And it was already like, that was quite, it was quite strange. Yeah. And, um, you know, you go to the, you, you know, you, you go to the plane, half empty plane, everybody with a mask, but me, <laughs> very safe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a mask. But anyway, like you got, uh, you then you arrive in Milan and, uh, you know, the airport is empty. Almost all the flight got canceled. You arrived and there was like an incredible, like a, a queue, uh, a line of people uh, because there was a first check by the Red Cross mm-hmm. where everybody were dressed like a sort of kind of military way, you know, to scan the temperature. And then after that, you need to go and, and speak again with the police to give them another document to say where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the most surreal part is that I went through the... the um, um, the airport, but it was of course empty. But then I wanted to get one of those car sharing to get back home. So mm-hmm. in Milan, we have a lot of car sharing things. And in order to do that, you need to go to the to the parking lot, and you do all the five stores that are that were completely empty. That was kind of creepy. You arrive, you know, at the last floor where you can see all Milan, you know, at the sunset with basically zero cars around, and the only interaction that you have is with a machine. Huh. <laughs> it was a little bit, uh, yeah. it was a little bit too much, I have to say. Um, yeah. So, so it was, it was quite, uh, it, w- it was quite a unique experience. So, so then from there you went straight home and you're on your own right now, haven't seen family. Nothing, you know, been home now, it's uh, what's 13, 14 days that I don't have any meaningful physical interaction with another human being. Wow. Uh, other than uh, maybe the, somebody at the supermarket uh, that asks you if you need another, 
you know, another bag or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, and, and you have this, this very um, strange, you know, uh, feeling because you are inside your, your, your household. When you are inside your household, life is almost, you know, is normal, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can go get food, come back and everything. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you can't walk around, uh, you can't go places, uh, you mm-hmm. can't meet people. Um, now, you know, you can't even go and do some, uh, walk around, like you can't even, um, do some, some training or anything like that outside. You just have to stay in and go out, get the food, come back. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a very unique situation, but every time I have moments in which I'm thinking that this is a little bit too much and, and I'm starting losing it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I genuinely just have to you know, uh, check the news and really seeing the madness that is happening out there. Mm-hmm. And then you realize in the end that you are in your home and in the end, like, it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, compared to what is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even though you are isolated and, and you only go out to do your quick shopping, uh, I suppose you've been able to interact with people in the city. What's the, what's the general feeling? What's the, what's the reaction amongst the people now? So um, I think there, 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 I have two type of uh, uh, friends or two type of reaction with the people that I've been in, in touch with. Um, one is very much more um, political uh, in terms of reaction, is more uh, theoretical, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, and then you think about, okay, what's going to happen next and this and there, what's the right approach, like what's the... Um, you know, you kind of more, you kind of have this kind of more political analysis, you know, of what is happening. Um, and then the other one are the ones that are concerned with the economy, uh, because, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's very strange because even if it is a health issue, you know, mm-hmm. very few people are very much concerned about the health risk. Yeah. yeah. You know, everybody are thinking more about the consequence that this that that this uh, lockdown is going to bring about. Mm-hmm. You know, and how simply the world is going to change right after, or the way it's changing now at every level. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that kind of like it's another very strange uh, uh, cognitive element that is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at the moment because. Um, because there is, uh, there are so many levels that are, that are, you know, I was the, the best way that I think to describe this moment, that it was coming from a, from a good friend of mine. And she was saying, this moment is surreal and hyper real at the same time. Um, you know, because you still leave the surreality of what is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you still, you know, now I'm talking to you as it could have been any other yeah. day. In New York, you know, and having a drink. <laughs> Exactly, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you, feel, you, you know that you can't go out, you see the people is dying, you know, you see all these things. And so like, you have this, but your brain cannot really realize what, mm. what is happening and what is happening. So there is these two, these two elements that combine really uh, create a very strange um, scenario and this very strange feeling. You know, I guess in this podcast around this topic, the word strange and surreal, it would have come up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose, I suppose. Yeah. 
Can you say a bit more about what you mean by hyperreal? I get the surreality of it. Uh, tell me more yeah. about the hyperreality of it. Because this is impacting your, you know, your everyday life outside your, your household. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so you, you know, in order to, to go somewhere, I need, you know, I need a certification. You know, um, I literally had yesterday when I went to go and buy and buy some food, I just walked a little bit around the block and there is nobody. There's literally nobody around. I was alone in my neighborhood. And, and the moment that I was pushing myself one street further, it was, it was a strange emotion. Because hmm. it was almost like I was passing like a limit that I shouldn't have yeah. passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and, and on top of that, I mean, I have now many friends, you know, that were fairly and still are fairly successful business people. Um, and now they're thinking about closing. You know, a um, wow. good friend of mine, you know, has a, has a PR agency, quite successful. Suddenly, you know, uh, clients stop paying. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What do you do? Uh, you know, and this is happening at every level. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really happening at every level. And this is quite, quite scary. Yeah. And, and we'll, get, we'll get to that in a bit. What, what does the new reality, the new norm, as, as we call it, uh, looks like? I just wanted to check on you first. Um, how are you handling cabin fever for now? <laughs> so far, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm very much alone. Um, I don't have yet transformed my basketball into Wilson you know, from <laughs> Castaway, so I guess uh -huh. I'm, still, I'm still somehow sane. And, and how, how are you keeping your sanity? Are you building new rhythms, new routines? I think this is important for our listeners because you know, many of us listening in are going to go through what you've been through for the last two weeks. It seems, it seems inevitable, right? So yeah. whatever we can hear and learn from you right now is, is critical. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, many of the things I'm going to say are, are quite, you know, obvious in a sense that it's, it's really about trying to get, find the discipline to get your own routine, um, you know, to, to have your, you know, to still follow your schedule, to organize your, uh, your little bit of training, uh, you know, in, in, in the apartment, uh, you know, maybe do add some yoga, add some movement, uh, you know, uh, things like that. Have a lot of like, you know, Zoom calls, Skype calls, you know, um, face to face, you know, I think this is, this is extremely important. So I think all the, all the obvious things, you know, do some meditation, you know, do all the obvious things, giving yourself some challenges, new repurpose, you know, is extremely important. But, but I think probably the, the, the main element that I would like to share is that it is also important to, to take your time a little bit. Um, something that, that, I, that I'm realizing now is that we passed almost in a sense of business as usual, you know, in this whole situation, you know, okay, total lockdown, we can't see each other, but it's fine. You know, we got Zoom, we got this, let's continue working. Mm -hmm. we'll go. Yeah. I don't know if it's a wise, if it is a wise choice. Um, I feel that really giving yourself a few days, whatever you need, to just realize that you just got punched in the liver hard, mm -hmm. all right? And having a moment to realize that, mm -hmm. okay, we just got punched. We just got punched very hard. Mm -hmm. 
let's breathe, you know, let's, let's have a moment, you know, let's have a moment to really realize what is happening, to really realize what is going on, realize that you need to get in a, in a status of, of change. Um, and, uh, uh, I, you know, I think that that is something that, that, that is important for everyone. You know, I actually asked at some point that, at, at the team and my team to say, okay, guys, what do you want to do? We want to continue work or you want to, you want to take like a few days off. And, uh, and, you know, and they were great. They would say like, no, we want to continue working because, you know, there's also like help with the routine and everything. I'm not sure if there was, you know, the right choice. Yeah. Maybe had giving like one or two days yeah. for everybody to just say, okay, this is happening. Let's realize it. Let's, let's really take a little bit of time for ourselves. Maybe it would have been, you know, uh, a better choice. So you're saying don't, don't deny it. Do not remain in denial. Acknowledge, accept that this is, a, this is something new. We've, we've never faced it. It requires to behave somewhat differently, to feel differently. And it's okay if we are feeling differently and not suppressing all those feelings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, have, you, have you had to interact with people that you know personally who have been um, unfortunately affected by the virus? And how has that been? Um, yeah, with, with few. Um, so far, all thankfully uh, success stories in the sense that some of them find out they were almost asymptomatic uh, and some others, you know, had, uh, um, you know, few days at the hospital and they managed to came back very quickly, fairly quickly. Um, so, so it's, um, you hear some stories, but, uh, but thankfully so far, all the one that I, <clears throat> that I had the chance to interact with, they, they haven't, they didn't have like a, a strong um, uh, physical uh, complication. Uh, something also to say about this is that many people don't know whether they had it or not, you know, somebody, from from the foundation actually had a very high fever last week you know um the emergency numbers were you know work well um but basically they tell you okay just stay put you know stay in quarantine and uh, let's reassess the situation in in 24 hours you know and, and things like that and then the the fever went you know went down and so everything was all right but maybe that was a corona case but but now it simply wasn't tested, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so, so that's also like another element that um, mm-hmm. that I found quite uh, quite interesting to to deal with. So, so does because that mean? Because this is not, you know, the, one of the again the part that's connected to the surreal, to the surreal part is that this is not Ebola. Okay. This is not something like, oh, if I catch it, twenty four hours, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's in many cases, you know. You, you simply have zero symptoms, you know? And, and so like that kind of complicate a little bit and, and, it, and it force you to think more mm-hmm. about all the different uh, um, area of responsibility that you have. It's not only survival, mm-hmm. but is that you have a higher civic responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that implies a completely different uh, mm-hmm. status of, of mind, mm-hmm. you know? In a, mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, a really heightened sense of awareness of self in a, in a bigger world, right? That my actions and my choices impact the lives, not just even action anymore. It's the lives of other people around me, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I and I hope that you haven't had to um, express your condolences to to anybody close to you yet. No, no, not yet. Okay. Well, let's 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 pray that this remains the case. Um, Adama, what do you wish you or the people in the city of Milan knew ahead of time before this thing happened? What what do you wish that you had thought differently or knew differently? was more aware of before any of this happened? I think it's really about um, taking this seriously earlier. Um, you know, what I think um, this crisis like is showing up uh, very clearly is the, um, is, is the flaws of our system in general, you know, like, Sometimes I get a little bit annoyed when I hear comments to say, oh, we didn't know, we weren't prepared. We didn't know that something like this could have happened, yeah. you know, or we weren't prepared. Like nobody could have figured, you know, known that this would happen. And, and we all know that this is not true. You know, we can, we can go deep as a system, as a, as a, as a world system. You know, there is so many uh, clues, information, you know, in disaster preparedness, uh, you know, and, and everything. Everybody know, knew that this would have happened at some point. And then when that happened, it's not only that, you know, we didn't do anything to prepare for it, but even when that happened, we were in some sort of weird denial and or lack of capacity to coordinate for a number of reasons. And, um, and that is really unacceptable, honestly. Um, you know, I, I, I really... Um, I mean, it, it's, we all work in a field that for us is kind of easy to understand why certain things didn't happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we should accept it, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and, and I think this is, uh, you know, the coronavirus really is showing, is showing to all of us really uh, how the system is flawed and at every level. And, and because I don't think, I, I don't think it's particularly interesting in this, in this moment to have a strongest, uh, like a larger uh, political, uh, geopolitical discussion, I think I take it from myself, you know, and, and I take it, you know, really on me. Honestly, myself, that I'm a fairly educated person, that I'm a, that I work, you know, in, 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 the, in the impact space and so on and so forth, my reaction was delayed. My level, my, my personal, my personal um, sense of responsibility, this, my civic sense of responsibility kicked in later than what it should have, mm -hmm. you know? And for the first week or something, when this is, was an emergency also around, around my, my area, or let's say around Milan, around Italy, I was very much like a passive compliant of the laws of the government, mm -hmm. you know, I was okay. I was doing my thing, but I was a passive compliant, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it really, it was really just after the total lockdown. Then, then it was purpose driven, and then it was okay. It's not only about, you know, just do the things that the, that the government tell you, but you want to be an active citizen in implementing that with mm -hmm. with your purpose connected to it, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think that's. That's, that's an element for me, you know, of course, for, for really um, a moment of self-analysis and really, you know, self-reflection 
to really understand what happened, you know, why, why that, uh, that, 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 that larger sense, civic sense, you know, um, didn't kick in earlier. And, and how has that reflection been going? You know, it's hard, huh? Mm. It's hard because, you know, if I have to tell the truth, you know, I tend to get to, to more the intellectual part of it. And I'm mm. saying, uh, oh, the, the communication of the government was incorrect and uh, it was a fault of the media and, uh, and it was this, you know, this should have handled like in this way and this. Uh, but, but the truth is that um, even if some of those theories can be true, you know, it still doesn't change the fact that I could have had a different level of awareness about what, what is happening. Mm. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, little, it's, it's a little bit tough because if you want to get real with yourself, uh, you know, and not only coming up with some, uh, again, um, intellectual reasoning, um, you have to get with your emotion and really understand where were you emotionally. And the truth is that I wasn't connect with, with my community, you know? Um, and, uh, and the fact that, yes, I, I work in the impact space. Yes, I travel the world uh, in order to, 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 you know, to reach my, my, my small purpose and my small goals. The moment that an emergency like this, you know, um, it's, it's talking about my immediate community and then after the global community, I wasn't emotionally connected to that. And that's the, that's the harsh reality. And is that, is that what we're observing right now as we watch, you know, young kids, college students still going for spring break in, in Florida, traveling around and saying, you know, oh, well, doesn't, not, not, it's not really a big deal for me. I'm young. And is that what we're seeing? Is it that people just can't seem to, to, to grapple with the reality of it? And, and, and is, is it yeah. inevitable that the rest of the world is just going to have to go through exactly what you guys went through, that there's this phase of denial and then it's like, whoa, okay, it's real. Is that inevitable or is there something that we can do? We can already start saying, because it's still, you know, you, you look at the continent of Africa, you look at a number of countries where they are kind of like at the beginning of that curve, right? And, and we get to where you guys are. So how do we deal with that? You know, I, I feel that with the example, I think the example you made is, is, is a perfect example. I, I, I feel that there are almost like, you know, two stages of, of um, denial somehow. The first stage is the one more connected to our, um, uh, to our cognitive system and our capacity, you know, to really, um, to really develop a certain level of critical thinking and understanding and distinguish between a real news or fake news, what is happening and what is not happening. All right. Because, and that's, I think is the, is the phase that we are, we are seeing here. And so that's the scary part. You know, I can tell you here in Italy, um, you know, um, until last week and some people still nowadays think that all of this is a media construction. Mm. All right. And, um, and, uh, and so there's a lot of problem connected to that, you know, uh, you know, what is the capacity of really, um, uh, how do you call it um, in English, um, uh, absorbing information in a, with, a, with a critical gaze, we're really understanding what is happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first lane. And I think that, uh, you know, considering, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
with what has well been your work in the past years, you know, like uh, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, because here there are some cognitive skills that if you're not able to distinguish yeah. between a fake news and a real news and, and yeah. things like that, then we have this, this first element to kind of say, oh, you know, I, this doesn't affect me, I'm going to go to spring break, sure. all right? And that's, that's, the first, that's the first level. You know, and I think that happened, that is happening everywhere in the world. And it's scary to see, you know, mm -hmm. how much this is happening. Mm -hmm. Then there is a second level. And that's the part that I, where I felt that I, you know, that I also failed. That is um, a deeper emotional connection with, with your responsibility here mm -hmm. in, in this world, you know, and, and really be connected to that. You know, um, even if, because I was following the rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that I was not following. I was, as soon as the rules kick in, I was following the rules because, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I could, I could distinguish between what was right and what was wrong or somehow, yeah. you know, what, you know, what was the higher purpose. But I wasn't connected yeah. Yeah. with it yeah. uh, emotionally. And yeah. that allowed me to, that made me kind of, again, be kind of passive in following the rules and stay at the margin of the rules yeah. instead of that becoming my purpose, mm -hmm. you know, to make, to contribute to the, to the health and the, and the, and the development yeah. of my community. And, and how do we push people from staying at the margin, at the fringe to, to getting to a place of heightened awareness and, and civic responsibility? Is there anything we can do? You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard question um, because um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I know that that a better communication, um, a better capacity to create a storytelling, mm. so connected to um, stories and not with numbers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know that that could have definitely yeah. helped. Which is why uh, I suppose fake news is being so successful, right? Because fake news can appeal very strongly to your emotions and it gives you a sense of safety sometimes or a sense of cynicism. And then you're like, oh, well, surely that has to be the truth, right? Because it, it makes me feel better. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, look, you know, there's, um, I think it's, it, this really kind of, again, show up, like, I mean, it, it, it makes, um, it really talks about the way that our system works and communication is at, is at the base of it, you know? Um, and, and really, at least in Italy, um, a lot of the things that we already knew about what was happening in the country in terms of uh, the lack of capacity of a critical gaze of the majority of the people, you know, the, uh, the, um, the ultra-right wings, you know, governments that were getting like more and more um, uh, more and more votes, uh, you know, the, 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 the fake news that were happening and so on and so forth, you know, was already showing in which the situation in, in, you know, in which we were. Mm -hmm. and, and now, you know, this kind of exploded yeah. with, with, with the coronavirus. Um, so there are some, there are just some systemic change that now we need to, we need to, we need to face. And without here, literally, you know, I mean, we, we've seen it every time, but in, instead of emergency, if you value the idea or the news of a nutritionist compared to the one of a virologist around coronavirus, well, we got a problem. Yeah, yeah. We have a problem. 
yeah. you know. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's one of those, unfortunately, this is one of those things that are not an easy fix and yeah. really require systemic, systemic uh, change. You know, and I wonder if there's a, another element to it. And, and I don't know if you've, you've read uh, Yuval Noah Harari's book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And one of the lessons that he talks about, one of the 21 lessons he talks about is humility. But interestingly, he was talking about humility in the context of humans need to be more humble um, in, in, in the way they, 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 you know, they, in their beliefs, in, their, in the myths that they are willing to, to, to believe. And I, and I do wonder if some of those myths are not myths that we have kind of crafted for ourselves in, in the year 2020. And we say, you know what, We've, we are too advanced as a civilization. Science has come too far that there is no way we can be facing this of all challenges, right? We were all expecting either alien invasion or interstellar travel to happen way before we face something like this, right? And this is just like, wait, no, hold on. We, we, humankind has, has come too far and this can't be our reality. And yet here we are and struggling to be humbled by things that we can't control. And, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a very accurate analysis. Um, you know, this is, um, this is really what, what is happening now. And we see how little it took to really put the entire system in shock. Um, you know, and, and, and we know like this is, these are the moments in which change can really happen. Now, um, the question in which direction? Uh, because, and I think it's still Harari who's, who's really, you know, talk about, you know, the, the possibility now of really going into two directions. One, it is uh, government surveillance, uh, and the other one is the empowerment of the citizens. Mm -hmm. And there's a very different yeah. <laughs> possibility that we have that we have in front of um, in front of our eyes. Yeah. And um, and it's um, it is, I think, independently of uh, of our chance of uh, of succeed. Um, of success, I really think that uh, this is uh, um, the moment that every change maker or system changer, you know, is uh, is really looking forward somehow. Um, not because, of course, the emergency, but because the opportunity that that, that this emergency is uh, is bringing about, and really to see whether there is a new um, opening to start rethinking some of the assumptions on which we base in, in our entire uh, society. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are very few moments, you know, in a life of, uh, in a generation that this, yeah. that this opening happened. Yeah. Yeah. So just to give a bit more context to the work that you do to our, for our listeners, you're the co-founder and CEO of the Moleskine Foundation. Um, I know most people can recognize a Moleskine diary from a million miles, but I know the foundation is relatively new. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about it and then I'd like to hear a bit more, um, how are you running the foundation right now in, in this context? But tell us more first about the Moleskine Foundation. Yeah, sure. The, the, we created the Moleskine Foundation um, in the end of 2017. Um, so it's a, it's a new foundation. Um, uh, even though it has, um, we created the Moleskine Foundation on the base um, of uh, another previously existing foundation, it was called Lettera 27, Letter 27, uh, that it was operating for more than 10 years. And um, basically what we did, we took the, 
the, the values and the experience of the Latin American Center Foundation that we call the unconventional cultural incubator. Uh, and we merged them with the values of the Moleskine Company. We had the opportunity to do that because of the long-lasting uh, partnership that existed between the brand and the foundation. But we made that extra mile to really kind of, uh, um, you know, harmonize, you know, um, the values behind uh, uh, the two organizations. And so basically what we find out and what we've been able to create is that, you know, the original elements uh, behind the two organizations um, were exactly the same. And, uh, and so out of that, we created a, a partnership between the, the, the foundation and the company, and we created the Moleskine Foundation. So we created this model, and, and we created the models under the idea of one purpose, of really exploring the field of creativity for social change. That was pretty much our main, our main goal. And uh, so the model in, instead, you know, the, the operating model of the foundation is as such that we want to become, we, we are, let's say, a, an organization that conceptualized and developed educational, uh, educational format or unconventional educational formats uh, in partnership with cultural organizations around the world. With the main goal of developing three main skills in youth, that is critical thinking, creative doing, and lifelong learning. And basically we took some of the recommendation that that, um, that you know very well of, of UNESCO, you know, and, and many other organizations to say, okay, we know that those skills are important, but we don't know really how to develop them in a systematic way. Um, and so we, we took that challenge and, uh, and, and that's exactly what are we doing at the moment. What does day-to-day -day look like at the foundation? What does your team do? Now or in general? in general before we get to now and how has that shifted <laughs> so um so at the moment we have um, um so we have two main programs that are operating one is called atwork and one is called wiki africa education so we have part of a team is uh, is dedicated to keep developing those programs and implementing those programs um, around the world uh, and keep fostering new partnership to really uh, you know, create a dynamic of co-creation and continuous development of those, of those two programs. Um, then we have uh, uh, part of the organization who takes care basically of uh, developing on new initiatives. Now we're working on a Moleskine Foundation Fellowship and we're working on, uh, on an interesting uh, um, um, research that is called the uh, Creativity City Index. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so, and then we have another part of the organization, of course, who takes care of, uh, of, the, of the storytelling and the communication connected to, um, uh, to the program that we run. Um, basically, uh, Atwork is an itinerant educational format. Uh, they want to develop critical thinking in youth and the participants. Uh, we created this with, um, by bringing together also, again, unconventional player in the field of education. So we had, uh, we had in, we have an, an incredible intellectual philosopher and creator and writer named Simon Jami, um, who's uh, considered one of the fathers of contemporary African art and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a splendid educator. Together with him, we created this format. Um, and uh, we have so far implemented in, 
more than uh, uh, 25 uh, countries. Uh, um, and, um, and every time, it, and it's an in-depth program. So every time we go, we have in-depth classes with 25 young people coming from underserved communities. And, um, and we use the creative process as a tool to stimulate critical thinking. Um, and then we had also the opportunity to basically create uh, um, partnership among a unique organization. <clears throat> so we create these tours that brings together organization like from the Africa Center in New York, uh, where I think we met the last time we, we couldn't actually yep. meet, <laughs> um, to, to the National Museum of Chad, in Jamena, you know, to um, um, you know, to to uh, to the National Museum of Mozambique or the National Museum of Gabon. So, so very um, organization that normally organization and community that normally don't talk to each other in a way. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things that, that we run, and we basically say we want to inspire a new generation of creative thinkers. Mm -hmm. That's one main thing, and then the other one, Wiki Africa Education. Um, it's a project that, that is very close to, to me and to, to, to my heart because uh, we created it um, when the, the, the previous existing foundation uh, was, was still in place. And, and, it's, and it's, a simple, it's a simple project. We want to increase the quantity and quality of information about Africa online. Uh, and specifically on Wikipedia. Why on Wikipedia? Because in the top 10 uh, website most used in the world. And, uh, and it's one of the most accessible ones. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, I think, is extremely important. But at the moment, there are more information about the city of Paris than, than about the entire African continent. Uh, and so the issue of representation, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, of course, evident. We engage, again, young people to really take ownership of their, of their narrative and, and having the opportunity to really become activists. So we have this idea of creativity, knowledge, and activism that comes together. How has coronavirus shifted everything in the ways of um, working on a day-to-day, -day, in the way you're dealing with your partners across the world? What's the new norm for you guys? You know, it's um, on one side, like the first kind of reaction I have is to say that really technology is incredible. You know, like it's, uh, uh, to be honest, like it, at the moment, uh, in the first month, you know, of this new context, it, it has affected us, but not at the depth that it could have, because uh, we can still speak, we can you know, we can, we had the chance to connect with, with all our partners around the world. And, and to a certain level, it even kind of increased uh, the, the frequency, you know, of, um, of, of our exchanges. Um, I have no idea how that will impact our midterm, you know, um, capacity of, of operation. Um, because, uh, because even if, you know, through technology, you can do a lot of things, um, the, the human interaction was still extremely, extremely important. Um, now, the moment we had to postpone most of our, of course, actually all our activities that were happening in this first quarter, um, we'll see how the second quarter will go. But at the moment, we are operating in a way that, you know, we need to take a decision. In this moment of, of uncertainty, you just need to take a decision, doesn't matter which one. And so we said, 
you know, a couple of weeks ago when we started, we said, okay, in June, everything will go back to normality. You know, <clears throat> I know we know that it's probably not true, but, but at least it give us, uh, you know, um, somehow a sense of time and it allow us to, uh, to basically progress in some sort of uh, organized, organized way and not be too much, uh, uh, you know, hanging in there. Limbo. In a limbo, you know, with too many variables. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much our, our strategy at the moment. Uh, every couple of weeks, we reassess whether the things that, um, the assumption on which we base our first idea, you know, mm -hmm. was correct. If not, we, mm -hmm. we didn't like that. In your extended network of, you know, um, company leaders, CEOs in, in, in the city and elsewhere, um, would you say that that's the approach that most people are taking is to, is to kind of set some goalposts and try to move towards it, knowing that it might need to shift again? Is that how you prevent yourself from falling into limbo? Um, what I think that is happening now, and I think is extremely interesting, is that you know, this condition, it forced us to innovate. You know, it forced us to think, you know, um, to, to, to exercise our lateral think, thinking capacity, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, but it's, you know, it's, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's an interesting moment because one thing is when you innovate or when you have your process innovation, you know, embedded in your, in your, um, in your working uh, system, you know, um, and you do it, you know, every now and then, and it's extremely useful, but it still feels like, um, uh, how do you call it in English? When you say, um, when you do in, um, uh, it's almost like when you, when you have like a, a fake uh, fire alarm, how do you call it? Um, like a drill. Like a drill, you know, yeah. it almost feels like a drill. Yeah, yeah. When you, when there's not a drill anymore, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. so so don't get me wrong. On one side, yeah. like you know, the more drill you've done so far, yeah. you know, the 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 better it is, the more, yeah, yeah. more prepared you are. But at the same time, you realize that this is not a drill anymore. Drill anymore, yeah. yeah. This is the and reality, feel, and yeah. and you feel a little bit of difference. Yeah. You feel a little bit of difference. Yeah. Um, but uh, but at the same time, I think we're still at the beginning of it, and. Uh, and, I'm, and, I, and I, I still don't know, um, I think resilience and our capacity to really, uh, you know, interpret the, the time, the, 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 the contemporaneity, it's, it's the biggest key now moving yeah. forward. So you're saying that a silver lining to this situation is, is that it's forcing people and companies to innovate? No doubt. Mm -hmm. And it innovate to at least to, to rethink you know themselves uh, yeah. in uh, in 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 a very deep level. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you, and this question is for you as as the leader, right? The leader of a team, leader of, of people. Um, do you feel like right now it's pretty much a balancing act between showing enough empathy to your staff, knowing that um, the show must go on, but at the same time, you know, this situation. Can have a very heavy toll on people's emotional and mental wellness, right? Uh, or is it just business continues? You know, um, it's 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 a right balance. I think it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a dance now. It's a little bit of uh, of of a dialogue that 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 needs to happen. Um, you know, uh, 
on a very practical level. Now, our on purpose, our meeting um, lasts longer than usually uh, because um, I really want that every time we have a meeting, there are that first 10, 15 minutes where everybody's talking about their day, everybody, you know, take up jokes, everybody sharing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whatever they did yesterday or whatever the last news was like. So, and I think it is, it is something that needs to happen. Uh, it needs, you need to, to leave room for that. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to, to be able to kind of create uh, that moment of uh, a sense of, of team, of community, and the sense of sharing. Um, because without that, uh, then, uh, then, then, you know, the priority change very quickly. Uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to get connected otherwise to, to your craft and, and whatever is your task. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that at the moment, uh, every, every opportunity that we have uh, it's 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 almost like uh, an aa meeting you know like it's a, <laughs> yeah. every opportunity is a moment of sharing you know and yeah. and i think you just you just need to Start lean into take it, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um and speaking of your team how's your team doing how are they handling the situation no it's it's very interesting because they you know they all they all have very different they're very different contexts i think they're doing all very well but there is people who's alone in the apartment people who have you know young family with a very young kids you know um some people had like a full like family couple of kids you know in the their, their teens you know so everyone has a completely different uh, you know the younger ones still live with the with the housemates and everything so so it's a very there's a strong variety and, and everybody has a very different need you know from mm, from uh, from one another so so i really think that as simple as it is really giving the opportunity and giving the chance to 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 share more um it's uh it's important right now so you're just you're just forcing your team to become more and more vulnerable something like that <laughs> <laughs> good yeah, we need like more that. vulnerable people in this world for sure you know um i just wanted to 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 ask you um you know just a few more questions some of some of which that we um on some themes that we touched on a bit earlier you know, with, with countries shutting down their borders now and with the global economy evidently slowing down, what, what do you think is going to be the biggest repercussions on the world um, from this pandemic? It's the, the realization that normality wasn't sustainable. And, and there, is no, there is no back to normality. Um, because that normality was a normal, mm. and um, and and so I think it's uh, it's a very um, it's 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 one of those moments in which in which um, we need new language. Um, we need new language, and we need. Um, we need to, to, to really be able to exercise our capacity to, to imagine and to create. And, but now more than, than ever, um, 
these uh, uh, those those words are not are not empty. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have so many incredible examples, um, especially you know on the African continent, but not only. You know, um, where we can see how creativity was the key um, to overcome, overcome at, you know, our darkest time. But, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's extremely important that we need to realize that we need to move, to, to move forward. You know, um, it's, uh, it's one of those moments that was, you know, of course, like in these days, I'm staying way too much on YouTube. And um, <laughs> you are the I one driving traffic. I see. <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was watching this. Um, uh, I forgot the name, but uh, he's one of the most famous uh, free climber, you know, in the world. Uh, and there are some amazing videos and, and about him. And um, and there is this moment in a free climbing in a free climbing um, activity where you where you basically you make two, three steps, and then at some point, you're, the, you're, the, you're in, that, in that specific moment in which your only choice is to move forward. Mm -hmm. Moving backwards is more risky yeah. and it's more uh, complicated mm -hmm. than moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is one of those moments. And, um, but, but, the, but really, the, the part that I think it will be the most difficult is um, is it would be to to create new language and to and to really imagine something that that haven't yet happened yet and that's why I think in this moment um, the arts uh, are so fundamental um, because the you know the real at least to me the real um, the most fundamental, like the most important role that, that, that the arts can play in these times uh, is exactly creating new language, you know, and, and off of that, then, um, then anybody else can, can take and, and build something real. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that this is the new normality or are we still waiting for a new normality to happen once this thing settles down, whatever this thing settles down look like? No, I mean, I, I think now we are just at the beginning of, uh, or we are in the middle of emergency. I mean, we probably in Italy now, we are uh, a couple of weeks ahead of a curve uh, of anybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, we're still into um, full emergency mode where the capacity to really, um, sit down, contemplate, uh, think, rethink, and create. You know, it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult right now. Um, but uh, so so I don't think that this is our new normality. Um, but uh, I think that um, uh, you know, in in not so long from now, we're going to have the chance to to really uh, start reframing uh, whatever happened and whatever is happening. The risky part and the tricky part is that, um, of course, we know that uh, the commercial, the economic, and the and the um, technological clock goes every time 
10 times faster than uh, um, than the cultural clock mm -hmm. and uh, and so that's the part that um, that is a little bit um, scary you know um, and and we know that we need to face because you know contemplation and and speed don't go very well together yeah. <laughs> you know and and creational language and speed don't go very well together you know and um, and so it is a it is a very um, you know it's 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 one of those moments in which you know I'm I'm also even if I'm absolutely always very um, positive uh, you know um, about our future um, our collective future you know there are definitely some some challenges uh, ahead of us mm -hmm. and you know what am I really hope that once we settle in this new normality and there is indeed room um, and, and, and blank canvases for, for creatives like yourself um, to, to be able to start drawing on it and defining what the new normality is and that you know cultural change that you mentioned um, that goes slower than the others how do we make sure that the conversations around that is happening I certainly hope that I'll be able to welcome you back on this podcast to have another conversation um, to discuss, you know, our future versus reflecting on a very difficult and harsh reality that we find ourselves in. And you um, personally find yourself in um, at what people are calling ground zero of, of, of the crisis. Before parting ways, um, I want to ask you this, you know, we are currently at a time in, in history where when it's really, really hard to see the light and as we watch things unfolding across the world, it is, it is very difficult to, to remain optimistic and positive. How would you like for all of us to remain positive in these times? Um, you know, I think that's our only choice. I genuinely think that is our only choice. And, um, and this, is, this is really the moment in which um, a lot of the, again, change makers uh, and, uh, and leaders that, that are listening to this, to this podcast, somehow we're and I'm saying it like, I know it, is, it can be sound controversial, but is that moment that we're all looking for? Is that opportunity where change can happen at such a, it's such a, it's such a deep level uh, that you can literally build a completely new world? And so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a unique, it's a unique opportunity, it's a unique chance that we have. Um, to really do something. Very powerful words of wisdom. Um, so self-isolation has its benefits. Eh? It makes us reflect and be deep philosoph philosophers. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for taking time to join me um, on this uh, episode. And I really appreciate the authenticity and, uh, and, and the candid uh, responses that you've given and really given us a, a raw sense of how things are and how you think um, in those circumstances and the mistakes that you make in your thinking and sometimes in your actions as well. So really appreciate you for being, you know, 
um, courageous and, and, and comfortable enough to share that with, with our listeners. So thank you. And I hope to have you again on the show. Oh, thank you very much. It was great. Pleasure. Join us next time in The Room as we co-create the journey to enable your life's mission.